Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 551 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Apple's changing its defaults, GeForce Now is losing its content, and Google's following kids again. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of others, on the radio or on our website, PlugHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are now three ways that you can do that. Uh, first, you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Second, you can listen on 88.1 WMLD Radio in the New York area or through their website Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. Or you can always subscribe at plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Look, it's live presents and more. And of course, see all the different ways that you can watch or listen with that. Avram, how are you doing tonight? All right. Not, not, not too bad. Uh, uh, could be worse. Hey, I got to ask the question that all the, all of our viewers are going to ask. Uh huh. Is that a stranger things t-shirt? It absolutely is. It is. Uh, Hawkins Middle School AV Club. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. I, lo- I love it. I've been uh, I've been watching this shirt on Amazon for a little while. Um, I can I'll put I'll put a link in the show notes for people who want to get it. Uh, and it it dropped five bucks this week, and I'm like, all right. Well, that's the that was the push over the edge that that's, I needed. That's your. That's your cue. There was also some Stranger Things news this week, um, some about who's going to be in the who's going to be in the fourth season and fourth season supposedly coming this year. Um, so that's good. Yes, that's good news. I'm very um, very happy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I saw um, I saw an interview where uh, Noah had said he had read the first uh, four episodes or something. So that suggested that they weren't too far into production if he'd only read the script for the first four episodes. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It depends on how they do their production. Aren't there a lot of shows where they don't show it to you till right before because, because they don't want to, you know, to spoil it. I mean, I don't know if stranger things is on the level of like Marvel level, uh, security, but I know in like a lot of the star Wars and, you know, and Marvel movies, they don't even get to see the whole script. Uh, most of the, most of the cast. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. Another great parts of it. My my favorite example of that was um, uh, Cloverfield. They filmed the trailer that was shown on TV and in theaters, um, before the cast knew what they were uh, applying for. <laughs> <laughs> so. The only part uh, of the sc- the only part of the script they had seen was for what was in the trailer, which was like the first four minutes of the movie or whatever. <laughs> which is yeah, they 
They weren't even allowed to know what they were auditioning for, which is special. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, um, the the first teaser for season four for Stranger Things is out, and it was super exciting. <laughs> I mean, it was it was exactly what everybody thought. <laughs> they yeah, weren't yeah. they weren't Very terribly secretive in the last sixty seconds of the last season. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no doubt about it. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, since we may not get to talk about it in our, uh, in our streaming talk tonight, I'm going to put in a good word for the show I've been been binging today, uh, which is on the HBO streaming services. It's called The Foreigners. It is a show. It is a Norwegian HBO show about. Uh, it's set in Oslo, where time, where a whole bunch of different uh, refugees from different time periods are just showing up, like, and they have all these problems, these like modern day refugee style problems, but they're like old Norse Vikings and and people from the Stone Age, and and people from the 19th century, or they're all like sort of just like getting teleported into the present, and then there's like a murder mystery who's murdering somebody is it like whatever and there's like anti anti viking prejudice and things like that so uh what an, uh, what an interesting an interesting show what an interesting like anti take on uh timeless it cuz it's it's kind of like the opposite of timeless and yet still very similar in a wonderful way what was the name of this be foreigners spelled exactly spelled like foreigners with B in front of it. Okay. Uh, and I've... it just came to HBO. It was airing on like HBO Europe in the fall. And then it just came to the streaming services in, in the U S to HBO streaming services and HBO on demand, uh, like this week. Okay. So that's how I heard about it. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, well, to uh to lots to lots to binge to plug one of our CES yeah. interviews that just published this week, um, I just went into Minnow uh, and added it to my my shows that I'm interested in um, on there. So uh, if you have not seen our interview with uh, with Minnow from CES this year, um, you can go to plughitslive.com/ces. And see that interview and um, find out what that app is. It's it's really cool. It allows you to like mark what shows it is you want to follow, and uh, then you can put in what subscription, what streaming services you're subscribed to, and it'll let you know whether or not those shows are available. And if they're not, it'll notify you when they become available on the services you have. It's a really cool really cool platform uh and then you just click on the thing you say i want to watch this now and it'll open the right streaming app for you on whatever platform you're on so it's a little close it's a little close to the thing we've talked about it's not the pay for it in one thing right but it's it's a single ui to show all the shows so eh, we're getting closer to the thing we want (laughs) and it's free which is even better Anyway, um, so yeah, that published this week. Check it out. And uh, I just literally got to use it now. So <laughs> wonderful. Anyway, um, how, since we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, let's get down to some news. 
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for uh, a subscription to Office 365, uh, $10 off on an Xbox One controller, uh, a new laptop, tablet, and Xbox One S or X, uh, the Xbox Game Pass uh, or Game Pass Ultimate, uh, or many other things like VR headsets and and uh, games for your consoles and your PC. You can get all of them at the Microsoft Store. And uh, if you're a current student or military, you get a discount on almost everything in the store. And you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Speaking of Microsoft, before we get started on our topic, I have been playing around with the Xbox console streaming to my Android device this week. And... Uh, it's really cool, and we'll talk about um, why that idea might work better in our next segment. But for right now, um, one of the biggest complaints for sure that I've had, and I know a lot of people have, about um, iOS and the newly forked iPad OS um, has been the fact that um, default apps are not a choice. You get what you get, and uh, you can use another browser, you can use another email client, but if you click a link to send an email from, say, uh, Slack, it will open in the Apple email client whether you use it or not. If you open a link from uh, Facebook to open in another browser, it will open in Safari, whether that's the browser you use or not. Um, and that is kind of all part of what we've been talking about over the last couple of months has been kind of Apple's uh, kind of monopoly ecosystem where they want to be in charge of everything. Um, well, according to a report this week, uh, iOS 14 and the therefore the forked iPad OS 14 um, could finally change that. You might actually be able to choose a default browser, a default email client, hopefully a default uh, mapping client because woof, um, and actually start using um, iOS as if it were any other operating system in existence. <laughs> Hooray! Well, you know... This is one of many complaints that I've had about Apple kind of really being paternalistic and making decisions for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but so always decisions in no their surprise. own favor. Always decisions in their own favor. Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, decision for you. Well, we think our, we think we know best. We think our, our app, our browser is the best. Our email is the best. And we'll we'll tell you what you're going to use. Uh, so it's it's a good and long overdue overdue move. Uh, this is something that people have had on other platforms forever. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's been on. I mean, has it ever not been that way on Windows? I can't even remember uh, a time when you didn't have control of that. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. Did they not have to do that on Windows 95? I don't remember. <laughs> maybe in Windows 95, maybe in your Netscape browser, you had when you clicked a link, it had to, you had to, it went to uh, open it in the Netscape email or something, but you could change it in the browser. I, I mean, like 
it's it's always been available for you to configure. Yeah. Even now where Microsoft is doing everything it can to nag you to have um, you know you to use Edge, uh, they can't stop you from they don't stop you from uh, from using Chrome as your browser and as that's, your default browser. And that's such an interesting comment because if we go back to the Windows ninety eight days, right? Uh, Windows 98 Second Edition started to uh, build IE into the operating system. The the file explorer uh, within Windows 98 SE was Internet Explorer um, with an altered uh, control bar. You know the toolbar at the top. Um, yeah, that's right. And, I remember that. And even though you didn't have to use IE as your uh, as your default browser, you could download and install anything else. They still had antitrust suits in two different continents, which they lost, even though they, they did allow you to have a, a different browser. They still lost how nobody has challenged Apple on this is beyond me for the exact same thing i think it's and more here here, here's actually i think the reason is that what happened to microsoft kind of proves that um these cases don't really work these cases don't really work out in favor of the consumer so to be honest back i'm old enough to have actually been in the workforce and an adult when a Microsoft lawsuit was happening. And, you know, Microsoft's a fine company, but I honestly thought at the time, like, this isn't really fair of them because it is a competitive advantage. It is an extreme competitive advantage if you have a free piece of software built into the operating system that people are generally not going to go out of their way to install an alternative. Now, what's very interesting is, is they did such a poor job, their browser got such a poor reputation and Google managed to make such a a much better mousetrap that they, that people, that people installed Chrome anyway. But honestly, I'm still surprised that that happened because if you have the default thing in the operating system, people are a lot of people just are not going to go out of their out of their way to say they're not going to know about third party uh, options. They're not going to um, you know want to be bothered if there's something that maybe is just a little bit better. So you know it's. Uh, it's it's amazing what Google has been able to do in getting the market share for Chrome. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is just due to the prevalence of Google services. Like, okay, yeah. so this integrates really well with my, with my Gmail and my search and other things that everybody's using on Google. Uh, so, and, and just that like Chrome was such a much better browser than Internet Explorer uh, and, and then, then Edge. Now, of course, it's, it's interesting now that Edge is using Chromium as it's uh, is using the same rendering engine as Chrome. There's, you know, you could maybe do a more 
fair comparison or whatever. But uh, so, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing that people did actually move to uh, to the third party browser. But what also happened is Microsoft, Microsoft didn't really get hurt by those lawsuits. Right. They had to pay some minimal fines. Um, I, you know, it didn't, and they in, didn't have to unbundle IE from the OS. Nope. But in, they didn't weren't broken up in Europe, uh, in Europe, when you, uh, first, uh, as part of the out of box experience, um, even though IE was pre-installed, it asked you, it required, uh, that it asked you, uh, which browser you wanted. And if you wanted, um, at the time it was, it was Netscape, <laughs> But as time went on, the choices changed, um, and uh, Firefox and Chrome were replaced. Uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix, ooh, Netscape, as the as the choices. Obviously, that isn't quite the thing today, but it was for a while. I think it was required for like eight years or something as part of the the settlement in Europe. It might have helped. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if anyone has studied whether that actually helped uh, market share in, in Europe for for Chrome browser when it was getting off the ground. It sure didn't help uh, um, Netscape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I mean, I guess. But I guess the point is, you're asking why isn't anybody sued Apple for antitrust? Well, I think that people looked and saw that how little effect even winning over Microsoft had. So why are they going to, um, why are they going to take the, make the effort sure. to, why is the government going to make an effort to try and, and sue over this when the best they could probably hope for is to slap, uh, slap Apple on the wrist. Uh, cer yeah. Certainly, you know, there, I don't think too many of the FTC you know, too many of the administrations that have been around since then uh, have have really been that ex eager to engage in that kind of antitrust anyway. So, yeah, I, I don't think, um, you know, this is if if we were really trying to be very literal about what is uh, using your your platform as a competitive advantage, this has to be considered, you know, very high on the list. Sure. And, and, you know, the thing that's interesting is that it's such a wanted feature that at least two of the other companies, Microsoft and Google, have built the feature into their own iOS ecosystems. Like, if you use Outlook as your email client, which is a pretty popular thing to do on, on iPhone, um, you have the option to open links in your email in Edge on iPhone. You also have the ability to open uh, address links in uh, Google Maps, Waze, City, whatever the I can't remember what the name of it is, City something, um, City Mapper. Uh, and you know, Google has very similar things in their, their Gmail client where it'll open in the Chrome browser on the phone and Google Maps and it, it's such a wanted thing that some of the app companies have built it into their own ecosystems since Apple won't. So I'm glad to see that Apple is potentially 
because it's not confirmed, potentially building it into um, iOS 14 because I think it'll make a lot of people happier because a lot of people use the Chrome browser on their iPhone a lot. Believe it or not, a lot of people use the Edge browser. Possibly more people use the Edge browser on their iPhone than on their computer, but that's a whole different thing. Um, uh, so, you know, having that that ability for them to work in a single user experience, um, I think will be a positive thing for, for uh, iPhone and iPad users. Now, will it actually happen? We will find out later in the year when they talk about what's coming to iOS and iPad OS 14, but uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. If you're looking to obfuscate your uh, your internet browsing from your ISP, from Google, from Facebook, from uh, a number of other companies, uh, a VPN is a great way to do that. And right now, uh, they've got uh, PureVPN has got some some pretty great deals uh, with up to seventy percent off, which is uh, essentially. $3.33 a month if you do a two-year plan, which is a really great deal. Um, and in addition to uh, to hiding your browsing history, you also have the ability to report that you're somewhere else. So when you're out of the country or even out of, this, out of state, if you want to watch content from a streaming service back where you, where you live, uh, you can still say you're there and it will continue to work. And if you want to find out about all of the features that they offer and get this great deal, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. What have you got for us this week? So I wanted to talk about, about upgrading your PC. Uh, this week, we put up a, uh, a really helpful story from uh, our new Tom's Hardware graphics, ed- graphics editor, Jared Walton, uh, who is an incredible expert on graphics cards. And uh, his story is about finding out what graphics cards are compatible with your computer because some people may be wondering if I have a computer that's a, a desktop that's a little bit older, maybe six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, can I buy a new graphics card and put it in um and so i wanted to talk about that briefly and then you know not just your graphics card but really how do you know whether your computer is upgradable uh and whether it's worth your time and money to upgrade it so the good news about graphics cards is that if you're you have almost any uh desktop that was made in the last 10 years or so, you probably have a, your motherboard almost certainly has PCIe uh, slots on it, PCI Express slots. And if you have uh, a PCIe X16 slot, like most of them would have, then you can probably use even today's most cutting edge graphics cards. Now, there's there's several caveats with that. One is that do you have enough enough uh, horizontal space to put the graphics card in? 
or is it going to knock into something and be blocked? Uh, two, you know, do you have free PCIe X16 uh, slot? Do you have enough power supply? Uh, do you have a good enough power supply? Most modern day uh, modern day graphics cards require a require at least a power supply with at least an eight pin, a special eight pin connector, or an eight pin and a six or an eight plus six pin connector uh, for the higher end stuff. That's like 2070 RTX 2070 and higher or AMD ARCs 5700 and higher. Um, and, or if you are getting like the top of the line RTX 2080, uh, you need a dual, dual eight pin uh, power supply. And your power supply probably you'll want to be, if you're using a modern graphics card, at least, uh, you know, 500 watts. Uh, but you could get away with maybe a 450, maybe a 450. 350 if you're getting a really low-end graphics card like the like the GTX 1650. Now, the, the question though, forget if forget even whether those model numbers I said to you make sense is, do you actually get a benefit from update from upgrading? And that's a question that you can ask globally, not just about your graphics card, but about upgrading your RAM, upgrading your CPU upgrading your power supply, upgrading your storage. If your computer really is this old, a new component will stick out like a sore thumb. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get some brand new wheels to put on, you know, to put on your old car. It's still, it's not going to go much faster, right? Uh, if your CPU is slow, a faster graphics card will help you play games, but the CPU is now going to be the bottleneck. Um, so you you really, when, before you make an upgrade to your system, any kind of major upgrade, you have to think, well, is the rest of my system going to now not work so well with this new component? Maybe it's compatible and it will run, but maybe it's not worth the money. Like if you've got a, you know, if you've got an older CPU that's maybe more than three, four years old and you're wanting to buy the latest and greatest graphics card, uh, you, pro you probably, depending on how good of a CPU it is, you probably shouldn't do that. If you want to upgrade your graphics at all, you should probably go for a low end card because you don't want to put a lot of money into something that you're not going to get the performance out of, or better yet, say balance out your money and just spend and buy a new motherboard cpu and graphics card you know so a lot of times when we're talking about upgrades people say i just want to upgrade this one component and i'm or they're buying a computer now with the hope that they're going to upgrade it later but a lot of the time when you once you change one thing it it kind of requires you to change a bunch of other things like for example let's say you have a computer that was taking, uh, you know, older older RAM like DDR3 RAM, and now and now you're on DDR4, and you know now you want to buy new RAM. Oh, but now you have to upgrade the motherboard to support the new RAM, and oh, your CPU doesn't fit in a new motherboard, so you need a new CPU. So it's 
I guess what I'm saying is you really have to look when you're upgrading, is this something that is a discrete upgrade where I can just get some extra bang for my buck out of it? Or is it just go is it going to be the beginning of a new computer? Um, the one thing that you can always you can almost always upgrade with some confidence is your storage. You know, if you want to most computers in the last 10 years have SATA uh, for their connecting to a hard drive or an SSD. So you can get a SATA SSD, uh, a 2.5 inch SATA SSD, put it in there and you can get good performance, particularly if you're upgrading over a hard drive. What you can't do, of course, is unless your motherboard is new enough to support it, get the fastest SSDs, which are now all uh, M2 NVMe type SSDs on a chip that you need a slot on your motherboard uh, to support. So although you could get an expansion card to, to run it, but again, now you're buying more stuff. So uh, I really encourage folks uh, to check out our article on what graphics cards are compatible with my PC uh, to learn more about, about this. Uh, but my advice is if you're looking to do an upgrade, make sure that what you're getting not only is capable of working with your computer, but is capable of giving you the benefits that you spent the money for with your computer. If you buy a card that is, can support 4K gaming and costs you $700, but you're putting it into a five-year-old computer with a five-year-old processor, well, you're not going to you're probably not going to be able to play 4K games on it because the processor and maybe the RAM aren't going to be fast enough to to keep up with that graphics card. And and uh, the, all of that makes total sense, and in fact applies uh, even here in our studio. Um, you know, we've talked over the last I don't know six months or so that we've been looking to upgrade the the broadcast computer in here and we haven't done it in in piecemeal because upgrading one bit isn't going to give us enough benefit to justify the cost and whatever we did upgrade probably wouldn't transfer to a full system upgrade anyway so it would be a money thrown at nothing you know for a for a temporary upgrade and you know that just doesn't make sense yeah i mean listen people love to upgrade um i they love to rebuild their computers i used to rebuild my desktop like every three years and i had but the one piece that was always the same is the least expensive piece which is the which is the case well i wouldn't say it's the least expensive but depending on which one you got but you can get a decent case for 50, 50 to a hundred dollars, mm -hmm. right? A great case for $150. So the, that's the only piece that, that can realistically stay with you over generations. Uh, you know, yeah. If you're upgrading your CPU every year or something, then maybe you can pop it into the same motherboard that you had. But, you know, for most people who can't afford to be doing upgrades, every year if you're doing upgrades every three four three to five years you're probably going to find that the other components that you have also need to be upgraded uh, and what you thought was an upgrade is really a new computer now in the case of laptops i'll just say this real quick 
obviously there's only two kinds of upgrades you can do to a laptop if if at all and those are upgrading the the storage and upgrading the ram and in those cases i mean well you know the only other alternative is to buy a new a new computer so uh you know those can be quite beneficial if you're you're using a laptop and it doesn't have enough storage ssds are much cheaper now than they were a couple of years ago if you're using one that doesn't have enough ram and the ram is upgradable you know it might be worth your money to go from to go up as high as you can to 12 or 16 gigabytes of ram you know whatever you uh whatever you can support um so uh you know uh, but you got to be cognizant of is this really going to solve the problem that i'm trying to solve is the problem that i want to play high-end games i might need a new computer absolutely and uh you said that uh you've got an article uh about this yes so come to the tomshardware.com homepage and you can see under the graphics section uh, what graphics cards are compatible with my PC. Well, fantastic. Um, just for <laughs> just for fun, I'm going to go look and uh, compare a couple of the systems that I've got around just to see what graphics cards are compatible because it's going to either make me sad or make me laugh. With how old I mean, some of my machines the, the answer are. Is, the answer is most of them will work, but most of them will work, but you won't necessarily get the performance right. that you're looking for. Sure. Well, as always, Avram, I appreciate uh, you bringing this to us because you keep on top of stuff that I simply don't have have the bandwidth to do. So. As always, thank you. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are, avail are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard and a mouse, um, a webcam with a chroma key built in, or RGB everything. <laughs> you can find all of that uh, from Razer. And uh, you can find all the deals that are going on and uh, their outlet store, which right now has some uh, really great deals in it uh, by going to f5live.tv slash razor. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the fact that GeForce Now had finally come out of its very, very long uh, beta. And uh, it was exciting. It was it was the thing that we had all kind of wanted Stadia to be, and it was not. The ability to play games that you already owned on Battle.net and Uplay and Steam and Epic Game Store, um, all through a cloud streaming platform. So if maybe you're in that, that transitional period between uh, whether or not a video card will help make your, your computer better, uh, for gaming, uh, you could stream it from uh, from the GeForce Now service, 
And uh, since we talked about it, some things have changed. <laughs> In fact, within a matter of hours of the service coming out of beta, um, Activision had announced that they were discontinuing the Battle.net integration and that all Activision games would be coming off the platform. Uh, that was about a week and a half ago. And then uh, this week, to add insult to injury, uh, Bethesda said that they would remove all but one of their games, which is a little strange that they left Wolfenstein Youngblood, but everything else went away. Um, they were removing everything uh, from the platform. Obviously, NVIDIA was in a little bit of damage control mode. They announced, one, that uh, subscribers had broken 1 million, which is a pretty cool statistic to hit uh, just two weeks into the thing, uh, especially with Activision pulling out almost immediately. Um, and they also uh, made sure to uh, let people know that Cyberpunk 2077, which is a game that is highly anticipated and also highly anticipated to be a resource hog, uh, would be available day one on the platform guaranteed uh showing both that uh they were still working with new games and that there were still publishers that were excited about the platform uh, and wanted to work with them which obviously is an important thing as you watch two major publishers pull out um it's disappointing it certainly um starts to lend some credence to the business model that is the Xbox console streaming, uh, which I mentioned at the top of the show that I've been testing out and is pretty cool. Um, but I it it's oh it's so sad. <laughs> Especially after all the work that went into this yeah. to have everybody pull out so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And here's the other thing. I don't really in I, I, you know, been in communication with NVIDIA about this. Uh, you know, I, we've taken briefings from NVIDIA. We've talked to them a bunch, but they never really explained exactly what they are doing with the, to each game to make it run on the platform. They make it sound like uh, they're not really doing anything or much at all. And that, and to me, that leaves me the question, is this another area? Uh, I mean, they are sort of getting cooperation, unlike Aereo. For, take, take, take a step back for our audience who doesn't remember Aereo. Aereo was a service that took that allowed you to watch broadcast television on on your computer because what they were doing was leasing you a basically leasing you an antenna in real time. You you and tuner. You logged into Aereo. Right, right, exactly. Released so. They were allowing you to do what you could have done if you had a TV and were in the place that they were. Mm -hmm. If you could have physically gone into their office and they had a couch for you, you could have sat sat there and watched um, and, and watched TV using over the air like anybody could. Right. Uh, but they got into trouble because the broadcast network sued them and said you have to pay licensing. Uh, you have to pay licensing for this because you're broadcasting it for, re argument, for redistribution. Which, right. And Ario's argument, which I still buy, is we're just 
providing we're just we're just allowing people to do what they we're just what people could have done themselves we're doing we're just doing for them essentially they right? said we're and, a slingbox farm which is really right. what they were so, they were a slingbox farm so i question whether it's a similar situation geforce now like what geforce now is doing in effect is they're leasing you time on a on a computer that's much better than yours and and then you're streaming you're streaming from it so i don't understand what right well obviously this didn't work out for Ariel, but that was broadcast television mm -hmm. what right these companies have to actually pull their stuff because like you're just you're like if if I had a pair of robot hands that I could control that were sitting in the server farm and could play it, like, would that be okay? Because all, all I'm doing is remote accessing games that I bought and paid for. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really crappy of the game publishers to demand that their stuff be pulled. On the other hand, NVIDIA was always doing this with their cooperation. They weren't doing an area in the sense that they were trying to, you know, to do it without cooperation from these companies. Right. And I know that they said that they've done things to make certain titles, quote unquote, optimized for it. Um, but they also had an interesting situation where they had, I think we talked about this the last time, two different ways to, to run your app, right? There was one that was, they had like a few hundred apps that are, a few hundred games that are pre-installed, so that if you want to play that game, you don't have to wait for it to download after you've logged in. Uh, but then they have other a thousand other titles, or they had a thousand other titles where you could go in and it would, this seems like a real pain in the butt, but it would download it and install it for you mm -hmm. while you wait. And then next time you came back, you'd have to do it again. So not exactly what you'd want to do, but in effect, it's like doing a remote desktop mm -hmm. on somebody else's more powerful computer so i don't get why how they you know i think it's really unfair uh, i get how they can do it but i think it's really kind of unfair that they're trying to that they're trying to accomplish that they're doing this to uh and you know what are they hoping to do to get people to buy the game the plot the game again to do it on use it on streaming this is actually a, a good thing for these companies because I mean, I don't know how many people are actually going to buy a game just to use it on streaming, uh, but there's that possibility. I mean, if I bought a couple of games just to use on it, that people buy these games that they couldn't wouldn't have otherwise bought because they can play them now. Yeah. Um, obviously, Stadia is basing its whole business model on the idea that people will buy will either only buy it for for cloud gaming or will buy it again for cloud gaming. Um, and it hasn't worked out great for them. It's the biggest complaint and the biggest reason why people aren't using it. Um, and so, you know, if the, if the game publishers think that that's the business model that's going to be the winner for them, oh, they're going to get... They're going to get Netflixed. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's... Blockbuster said people are going to keep buying, renting DVDs. Netflix said you're stupid, and 
you know, if the publishers think that that's going to be the winning strategy, I think they're just going to get smacked around by by the publishers who understand that the winds are changing, that they need to be prepared for this kind of thing. Um, interestingly, there's another service whose name I can't remember. I was just trying to look it up, and I have no idea how I would look it up in my email at this point. Um, they pitched us like a year and a half or more ago. Oh my God, it was when the when the Switch first came out. Um, so that ages the pitch a little bit. Uh, and they were doing something similar where basically you just played through a remote desktop, through an RDP. And I don't think anybody's given them any kind of crap, but maybe it's because you can be Aereo for as long as you want until they find out, maybe. I don't know. But... Yeah. I mean, maybe it's the thing... Maybe the thing is that Google, that um, NVIDIA is doing some level of optimization here. Uh, there was a previous service, was it on live? I forget, that we tested that was literally nothing but a remote desktop. Like, you 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 go in and you had a start menu and it was it was windows it, you know whereas geforce now you're clearly on a pc but they do some they do something to kind of hide mm -hmm. the pc from you so there's like nvidia there's special wallpaper on it there's no taskbar there's no uh you know no settings menu that i can see uh but so somewhere there's windows but it's it's hidden from you uh Maybe, maybe if it were really just a pure PC rental, like, hey, you install your own game and good luck to you. Uh, we'll just make sure that you can, we'll just make sure that you can uh, use this remotely at high speeds. Um, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that would be more, more bulletproof. Uh, granted, I'm making a case that NVIDIA is not making, I should be clear. Like NVIDIA is not saying these companies have no right to pull out. They are, NVIDIA has good relationships with these companies, with the game publishers, they have to. Um, vice versa, the publishers also have to have a good relationship with NVIDIA. Because uh, they, you know, they have to make sure that their games are optimized for NVIDIA's technology. So, um, you know, NVIDIA is not going to kind of go out on a limb here and, and try and like, you know, do something that the publishers don't want. Uh, and this may also be proof that NVIDIA is not, maybe not the right company to run this kind of service. Like, um, they obviously know video cards very well and they know games very well, but maybe they don't know the business wheelings and dealings that that Apple and Amazon and Netflix do to, to make, get exclusives of content. Also, these companies may be thinking about exclusivity. I think uh, Stadia has some exclusivity. Mm -hmm deals with some publishers, it may be the case that, hey, we don't want to just let you uh, let you advertise that our game runs on your service because then we can't charge some other company, uh, you know, money to make sure that's an exclusive on their platform. So, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I think we'll probably see a bunch of exclusivity deals, but to really succeed in this uh, new world of game streaming, someone is going to have to bring the game, the games like 
ownership or rental, whatever you want to call it, of the game content together with the platform. Whereas GeForce Now is saying, like, bring the games you already have or go to Steam or go to Epic Game Store on your own, buy a thing on your own, uh, and then come back to us. Uh, so that's an, inv an investment. Mm -hmm. uh, I think someone's got to bring both of those together, like a, a Netflix style, like, here are all the games you can stream. You've paid this amount of money. Now you can stream all of our games. And I think ba based on the interface right this second um, for Project xCloud um, from Microsoft, I have a feeling that that's going to be part of, and I have nothing to base this on except the UI. <laughs> um, I have a feeling that that's going to be part of the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Um, and that there's probably going to be a third tier, like there's going to be Game Pass, Game Pass PC, Game Pass X Cloud, and then Ultimate. Um, and I, so I have a feeling that that's how whatever X Cloud ends up being called, whatever it is, um, I have a feeling that's going to be the business model there. Is that it's going to be the Netflix of cloud gaming, which is I hate getting pitches like that, but. <laughs> In this particular case, I think it works. Um, I have a feeling that that's how that's going to work. Um, and then from the other side, because there's the two services that are launching together, right? The other thing is the the cloud streaming, the console streaming, um, where I was sitting over at Amrock in Tampa, and I, through my Android phone, I was looking at my TV on my Xbox One. Like, it was... It was doing a an RDP screen mirror, just like the Windows 10 app uh, for Xbox can do in-house. I was doing yeah. it off-network. Um, so, and that's all within their closed ecosystem. You know what I mean? So that, the fact that Microsoft already has the ecosystem, already has the hardware, and already has Azure, like they've already got everything they need they might be the ones that can finally put this together, uh, especially if my suspicions about the business model behind xCloud are right, which I think they are. Just a guess, because most of the games that are on there right now are uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass titles right now. So I have a feeling that's how it works, or going to work. So that pitch may... Maybe the thing we Microsoft might actually be working to bring your idea, the everybody working together in a <laughs> in a working ecosystem to market. So we we will see. Um, obviously, there's there's ju that's just a lot of conjecture, but <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, real quick, uh, Liquid Sky was the company I was trying to think of. It does not appear to be a thing anymore, because uh, when you go to the their domain, it asks you for a username and password, and there's no way that's a good sign. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so that was the the remote desktop thing. So maybe, maybe the Aereo bug finally caught up with them too.
This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably by, powered by riff tracks, make fun of movies, or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like Hijacked Flight 285, which appears to have been filmed in a movie theater and not an airplane. Uh... Terrible. Uh, the way it works is for a couple of bucks. You download the MP3, play it along with your Amazon Prime, Netflix, DVD, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, from time to time, they do live events. Their Live 2020 uh, is on Kickstarter right now, uh, and we will find out um, how that goes. I believe they've already hit their goal, which is fantastic. Um, they plan on doing Hobgoblins on June 11th and uh, Amneville The Evil Escapes in October. Um, and that'll be fun. You can also see the old ones uh, and a bunch of short films all by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. <laughs> oh my goodness. The live events are so much fun. Anyway, uh, so... It's it's a little annoying that we keep having to have this conversation, but here we are. Um, you would think of all of the companies in the tech space that today Google would understand uh, the problems with ignoring the laws surrounding COPA better than anybody else. They were recently smacked around by the FTC, and YouTube had to kind of change a lot of their community guidelines and even the, the uh, upload process for uploading a new video to YouTube because of their fine in agreement with the FTC over uh, the inappropriate collecting of data about children on their platform. In YouTube's case, they said, we don't really have a lot of control over whether or not kids watch videos outside of the YouTube Kids app, but they still lost. This week, a lawsuit has been filed by the state of New Mexico against Google, claiming that Google education and the tools around it um, knowingly and purposefully collect information about school children and uh, use it to create data profiles on the kids, which is expressly prohibited by both COPA and uh, New Mexico's Unfair Practices Act. Um, Google claims that it, everything New Mexico says is factually wrong and that that uh, Google Education gives educators the ability to choose what data is collected and that parental consent is part of the platform. New Mexico absolutely disagrees. Um, and Google says we don't use personal information from users in primary and secondary schools to target ads. Again, New Mexico disagrees. And it once again brings us back to a similar, but this time kind of different issue, right? Because the Google education suite of tools is specifically targeted at children. It's not like YouTube where they're like, well, you know, you have to be 13 to use the app. And the FTC went, yeah, and you know that's not the way it works. 
<laughs> we all know that's not the way it works. In this case, everybody knows that's not the way it works. Everybody knows that this is for kids. It's what it's designed for. Yeah, well, I'd like to know what the data is that they're storing in the app, in the data profile. I mean, is it anonymized? Is it, um, you know, is it uh, tied to tied to that child? I mean, I, you know, Google says that New Mexico has it wrong. So let's let's see what one of those profiles looks like. Yeah, that would be. That would be a great thing to do, right? Release the, here is what a a Google education profile, you know, data profile looks like um, based on the settings of the school or the school district. But I don't, yeah, I, mean, that's... I don't think COPA allows for the idea of somebody saying, this is what you're allowed to, like a school district or somebody... The only time it's it's bypassable is if there's parental or guardian approval. And you know from some of the apps that that you know you just some of the apps you've tested that sometimes that parental or guardian approval process is so complicated that you've even said that you've put in a different date just to be able to move forward. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 all the time, all the time. It's too much of a pain in the butt. Uh, you know, un un unfortunately, like, I'm sure I'll hear from, someday I'll hear from other parents, but like, yeah, we do all that, and, you know. Um, I mean, our process with, with my son, who's, who's seven, is like, oh, you want to download that app? Okay, let me see what it is. All right, it looks it looks legit. You can download it. Which in, that case, which in that case, uh, which in that case is at least as much as parental consent would be anyway, and possibly more, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then when you have to register for that app, though, then we have to like you know, mm -hmm. we it just you know you have to certify that you're over thirteen for something. So I'll be the one to register it, yep. right? Like there was some like game he downloaded yesterday where I had to sign in. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that I find interesting about this question with the Google, uh, is if this were a closed network service, would it be subject to the same issues? Like if the school, this, these are being, these tools are being used by the school, uh, at my son's school, they don't do anything with Chromebooks or at least not in his grade yet. So I really don't know how schools handle this, what how they work with uh, Google apps. Uh, obviously, you know, they have it, you know, kids have Chromebooks, they, they're using Google Docs. Um, but I guess what, what I don't know is if schools obviously have a greater right to student data than, than an internet company does, sure. right? Like I, my school knows a lot of stuff about, about my son. They know a lot of stuff about about our family, uh, you know, to be fair, they kind of have to know a lot of this stuff. I mean, you, you can't really, uh, you know, you know, he's going to school there every day. So, right. you know, so if the school were the proprietors of the data and it was, wasn't 
in a cloud service such as Google, um, would we be talking about the same thing? Because I don't think COPA applies to local networks. I don't think so. So, so are we really just are we really just not in touch? Is the law really just not in touch with the idea of cloud computing? Because here, what we're doing is we're the school is supposedly now. This is where we'd like. To, I'd like to see some examples of what control the school has over the data, what the data looks like, what exactly they're collecting. Is it anonymized? Like, what is it for? Like, uh, otherwise, it's kind of nebulous. But you know, the school has a definite interest in I don't know being able to read the students' work, uh, being able to provide tech support for them. Sure. Uh, knowing if you did your homework, like, I don't know, all that stuff. So, like, obviously, the school needs to have administrative rights to these accounts. They're going to use a cloud service, which in which in these cases is Google. What, why, you know, so why that's only bad to me if Google is taking this data and using it for something else. Google right. is itself mining the data using it for Google purposes and those Google purposes are are not uh, you know in the interest of the students essentially which obviously is, is a very vague thing to say essentially if the if the data profile is a Google data profile as opposed to a Google education data profile if it's if it's used just within the context of of the tools so that you know, teachers can interact with students and things like that versus uh, the ads that get shown on YouTube, right? Because that, that's, a, that's a pretty big jump yeah. from, from a teacher being able to see your progress through your work to targeted ads on YouTube. Um, because uh, what about Blackboard, right? Blackboard's used in a lot of schools, uh, including uh, non- non-colleges and universities granted it's it's mostly used in colleges and universities but i've heard of it being used in in middle and high school and they certainly collect information they've got student profiles they would have to because a teacher has to they can't just base it off of random characters they've got to know the student's name right so maybe the the thing that that new mexico is is actually claiming is that it's a shared data profile and Google's basically saying, no, that's not the case because I've never heard anybody yeah, so make the I, same claim about blackboard. Right. So I guess we'll have to see, uh, what, what comes out in this case, but I'm not, uh, immediately going to, going to blame, you know, take the school that the, uh, state side sure. here, because we haven't seen what what data is actually being collected. Absolutely. So my my guess is that this is not going to be something that will be settled outside of court. We will almost certainly see uh, this thing progress um, as the FTC one did. Google tried to settle that one and it didn't <laughs> it didn't work out. Um, so my guess is this will go the same way uh, and we'll we'll learn more about what this looks like. Uh, probably in the, the coming months.
This week's DRM Not Included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. In addition to your free shipping, you also get some cool other features like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to stream for free, Amazon Prime Video, which gives you TV, movies, documentaries, both original and licensed content, even uh, some HBO back catalog stuff available as part of your subscription and my favorite twitch prime which gives you uh, one free subscription per month which you can use to uh, help support the content creator of your choice you can subscribe to plug Hits live or anybody else and help them out financially uh, and you get free games uh how can you pass up free games um and we have links to all of these features and if you're not already a prime subscriber we've also got a link for a 30-day free trial all of which are available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. We've been talking about it for at least a year, the inevitability of some uh, video streaming service consolidation, and we might be seeing the beginnings of it now um, as new services seem to be constantly popping up uh, in we just talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, Warner Media has like 800 services and they're going to add one more on top of it. <laughs> uh, here we have a couple of services that are possibly under contract for purchase. Um, Voodoo, who has had several owners over the years and several uh, intentions, uh, they started as a place to turn DVDs into digital downloads and have done all kinds of weird things since then, including uh, offering a uh, family time uh, censorship thing like uh, what VidAngel tried, um, all of that since Walmart took over. Uh, that service is uh, reported to be in uh, late contracts uh, or con uh, discussions with uh, NBC Universal, which I think makes sense. Uh, you know, NBC Universal is getting ready to, to launch their their Peacock streaming service, um, and it it would make sense for NBC Universal to be looking to kind of build their their catalog up a little bit, especially as um, some of the content producers versus the networks have started to exert uh, uh, power over their rights. You know. Uh, uh, Friends, for example, uh, Warner exerted their rights over, and so Friends is moving to HBO, which is strange. Um, so, you know, NBC is starting to look for ways to, to boost their catalog. Voodoo might be the way to do that. Um, on the other hand, you know, Fox recently sold much of their content catalog off to Disney, uh, and they are looking at purchasing a service called Tubi, which is a uh, free ad-supported uh, service similar to uh, Pluto, Pluto TV. Uh, it's got TV and movies and stuff like that, but it's all ad-supported. Um, and Fox is looking to bring that into their fold. So for as, as much as $500 million, which I don't know, sounds a little crazy, but... Uh, I, I love Tubi. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I'll finish what you were saying. I'll tell you how much how, how I too be is great. Okay. Um, so you know, it uh, Fox has expressed interest in 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 the idea of some ad supported content. So I think I think this purchase makes sense, although the price might be a little strange. Tell me about Tubi, Avram. 
Well, I really hope for, I also like Voodoo. I'm probably one of the only people who's used both of these services and like, and really likes them. Uh, Voodoo, uh, I mean, is a decent place to buy or rent movies that can be cheaper and sometimes can be cheaper than prime sometimes. And I have had some things where, uh, you know, we've gotten some codes at the office for, for a couple of movies. I think, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. Someone else in our, someone else in some other part of the company has occasionally gotten some like promo codes for some, some movies and like sure. given them out to a couple of people and they all, and to, quote unquote own the movie you had to like type it in and it would get it would give you a choice of owning it on one other service or voodoo and i would always choose voodoo uh and you know it's decent you can get you can get apps for it mm-hmm. streaming apps for it for like your xbox or whatever and and they're and, and they're and part of the movies of stuff they're part of the movies anywhere initiative too so uh if you connect it to your movies anywhere you can stream it on any of the other platforms uh, that are part of the movies anywhere platform, which is a, oh, I a, think I've used it for that also. Yeah, which is a cool capability. I think I've used it for that with with that also, where I've gotten a gotten a Blu-ray and then you know put it onto put yeah. it onto there. So so I think it's a decent, although way under publicized service. Mm-hmm. Tubi is Tubi is has a lot of great stuff on it for free. Um, because it has a lot of like yes it has some stuff from the early 2000s also but what i love about tubi is they have a ton of old uh sci sci-fi movies and shows that you won't find everywhere else you won't find them on prime you won't necessarily find them on prime or netflix so um for example uh lately i got really into don't judge. I got really into watching Space 1999, which is a show from the 70s uh, that was like Star Trek of the 70s. And you could not, before, like, you know, recently, you couldn't stream that show and you had to buy some old DVDs or something. Now you can watch the entire, all 48 episodes of the show for free on Tubi. Uh, Prime has the second season, but not the first. So anyone can go can go and watch Space 1999 on Tubi. But that's not that's not all. Tubi has a whole bunch of Rift Tracks movies. They have they have you know they have stuff from like the early 2000s, like Minority Support, and even things that are not not that not that super old. Uh, they've got a lot. A lot of content uh, on Tubi that that's free and that you won't necessarily find everywhere everywhere else mm-hmm. online. Yeah. So I actually think if you haven't used Tubi, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, you've got some commercial uh, breaks built in, but it's not ridiculously so. Right. Uh, I watched it. I've used it on Xbox, so it's available on a variety of platforms. It's available on Android also, so you don't have to, um, you don't have, you know, have to just watch it in your browser or on your phone. You can watch it on your TV. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of 
there's plan nine from outer space on there um and you know for folks who don't like old quote-unquote old movies like that i mean they have much much newer newer fare on there like ninja turtles movie from 2014 uh-huh. and uh scoob the scooby-doo live action movies saw the final chapter i don't know if they have all the chapters uh, but i'll, uh, I'll know, tell you the thing oh, they have the whole we, tv show we talked about yeah. this this platform a while back and i went and and explored it and when i discovered that the riff tracks live birdemic shock and terror was on there which i have seen dozens of times because it's one of my favorite things in the world but i saw it on here and i'm like all right i've seen it a lot of times let me see what my experience here is because i know what my normal experience was and like you said the ads aren't you know they don't interrupt it as badly as they would on say the nbc app uh you know and you know i i never felt like i was taken out of the experience which is good and i really enjoyed it and i've spent a lot more time on it since then but that was my that was my introduction when i when i found birdemic on there i'm like all right i'm in let's try this thing (laughs) now i have to say i was actually watching tubi yesterday and on my phone and i and for like i i could swear there was a period of time when i got no ads at all for a while so i have a i have I'm surprised that they're being valued so highly because it doesn't look to me like they are like killing you with ads uh, or that their ads are particularly targeted. For example, you don't even have to register to, you don't even have to sign up for an account to use it. I have a strong feeling that like once they get sold, it's not going to be as user-friendly as it, as it is now because I'm sure that they're not monetizing the monetizing this like they could. Sure. That could be, you know, they um, really, but, but maybe so enjoy, enjoy it now. <laughs> Indeed. And, and watch, yeah. watch Birdemic on it for free because it's the funniest thing you'll ever watch. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if the other one's on here, but that's my, that's my all time favorite. Uh, Monos, the hands of fate is my second. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, you know, it it's not surprising that that these things are starting to go this way. I think, you know, we've we've talked about the fact that some of the smaller ones would would be the the first ones to to be incorporated elsewhere. Fox kind of has nothing going on. So, you know, getting into something free and clear, especially something that resembles uh the original Hulu so closely. Um in intention and in implementation, even in UI, uh, it it resembles the early Hulu stuff a lot. Uh, and you know, Fox was one of the creators of Hulu, so that kind of makes sense that that's where they would get started back. Um, and as far as Voodoo is concerned, um, the ability to have some of the licensing uh, for for Peacock makes sense, and then the ability maybe for Peacock to not only have a free and two paid tiers, but also the ability to rent, um, you know, one-offs rent or buy one-offs like voodoo, you know, all within one ecosystem kind of makes sense. So, uh, plus, you know, Walmart being in the video streaming business was always a strange thing. Uh, so yes, yes. 
when when you could bring a DVD, this was my when they first bought it. You could bring a DVD into into a Walmart, hand it to one of the people in the in the electronics section, and then you could they give you a code and you can go home. And now you had it on Voodoo. It's like why did I give you a DVD? That's so weird. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> It was like the anti-blockbuster. Instead of renting the DVD, you gave it to them. Anyway, it was all very strange. Um, and so Walmart's interaction was always a bizarre aspect of Voodoo, uh, maybe under the Comcast uh, ecosystem. And then, you know, with Peacock coming up, it might Peacock might actually become the most interesting platform there is. Who knows? Uh, but all of these are, are still kind of rumor- uh, late talks, but rumor. So they could all fall apart. Who knows? But I don't think they will. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who uh, joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you weren't able to and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us in the studio. Uh, talk about the topics while we're talking about them. We always love that. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to see uh, see and or hear uh, the this show and others, you can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and see all of our shows, including Plug Hits Live Presents, which is publishing a ton of CES content right now. Uh, so you'll definitely want to check that out. And wherever it is that you're listening or watching us, we always appreciate it. And definitely follow us on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and uh, interact with us over there. And with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.